Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works. I am Shmay Lini. I'm your host. I'm a fitness and nutrition expert, certified iridologist, nutritional therapist, and biohacker. And I'm very happy to have you all back with me for another part of your day. I hope everyone is keeping really well, and we have a very exciting guest on today. But before I introduce her, I must remind you that the information in these episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. So today, please help me welcome Kim Tang. So Kim is, she has quite the repertoire on her resume. So she is head coach of the International Yoga Sports Federation. She's also senior international, a senior international yoga instructor. She's a breathwork facilitator for trauma release and Kundalini activation, intuitive spirit of counselor. Um, she's a source spiritual study group leader. She's a Reiki master, master, public speaker, workshop leader on the subjects of consciousness, mindfulness, body, breathwork, <laughs> yoga, spirit. I mean, I could go on, Kim, but I'm, I would prefer to let you introduce yourself and just tell us who you are. Thank you. So, and to that, I would add also, I'm a level two quantum healing hypnosis practitioner. So then we are complete and that's enough of an introduction. I want to always begin with love and gratitude. Love and gratitude are the highest frequencies. And so I want to bring love and gratitude into this moment of beginning the conversation with you and for the benefit of all. So thank you. Thank you for thank having you. me. Yeah. Thank you. I'm coming to you from the Yakashala, which is our boutique private event center for the healing arts and spiritual sciences. And it's located in the Joshua Tree area of Southern California. And so uh, if I were to extrapolate on the bio resume, I would tell you that if my life were a Venn diagram, and just for the listeners, if they're not sure what that is, it's like two circles that overlap in the middle. And I'll tell you that on one side of the circle is just all things yoga. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of the circle is all things spirit. But most of that is the overlap and the knowing that the two are one and the same. And so what I do is share myself in the form of both platforms, yoga and spirit. And I think that that is exactly what we're talking about today, which is mm -hmm. pretty exciting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's get into this. So uh, we kind of discussed what we would like to discuss that is going to be most beneficial for my followers in this time of their journey. And I think it's perfect that this time of the year when we have a more positive uplifted outlook on life, because as we know, the earth's frequency and the sun really lifts us up at this time of the year. So I think timing this conversation is perfect. And then they can revert to it as we transition through the year. But we want to discuss spirituality right now and the importance of spirituality. Now, this is your area of specialty. I have my own spiritual practices that I follow. I'm very 
God orientated. I do my prayers. I do my gratitude journal. I very much am Christian. Um, but I know that's not the be all and end all. And I also know that people have issues connecting to any sort of spirituality in a sense that they just have lost their way. They don't believe, they don't know what to believe. So can you cover this for us, please? <laughs> yes, it's a big first question and I like it. So the first thing that I wanna put out there is that in the way of spirituality, as opposed to religion, which is just interpretation, sometimes misinterpretation, in the way of spirituality, I don't require that anyone believes or agrees with what I'm about to contribute, but I definitely am going to share myself fully in the form of the spiritual knowing that I come with. And when you talk to, when you ask about the importance of spirituality, um, I couldn't help but notice that the first part of the question was, why is spirituality important? And the second part is because there are people that don't believe they're non-believers, they're not practitioners, and therein is therein the question lies the answer. Mm -hmm. So the first way that I'll open the conversation is by saying that we are not one-dimensional beings. And if I were to say that we were, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there both ways and they sound different, but they're the same. Number one, we are vibrational beings in a vibrational plane mm -hmm. as individuated aspects of the creator in form. So what I just did with you in that sentence is I brought in a foundation of the conversation in the context of yoga. And I also brought it in the context of spirituality and the two are one and the same. So if we are in denial, of who we are in truth, because we're not one dimensional beings. The greater part of who we are is an eternal life source before this life and after. And to deny the greater part of who we are in truth is the cause of the unhappiness. To deny ourselves as aspects of the creator in form is the reason why we feel confounded in the life of complexity and seeing how um okay i'm going to call it in the living in the realm of judgment i think we i think we have to get to this straight away and pretty quickly okay so if i say to you the yoga aspect of we're vibrational beings in a vibrational plane we have these two hemispheres of the brain we have the ida and the pingala the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere and i want to describe it to you this way spiritually speaking the left hemisphere of the brain is our connection to humanity. This is really important. The left hemisphere of the brain is the egoic construct of identification of self as separate. It's who we think we are as the personality self, the small self. That is where the ego resides. And let me tell you a little bit about the way that that hemisphere processes. We receive and think, read, and communicate in, for example, we take all these letters of the alphabet, and each letter makes a word, and each word makes a sentence, and each sentence makes a paragraph. I'm going to go on. Each paragraph makes a page. Each page makes a chapter. Each chapter 
makes a book and you can start to feel how laborious that mm -hmm. processor is. It's also linear. So it believes that time, which is the illusion, is a linear construct with a past. And by the way, skips over the present, which we're going to talk about later to the future. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it recreates history. What has been known by me, I'm going to push it forward through my perceptions. <laughs> what has been known by me, I'm going to push that forward. What has been known by me, I'm going to push that forward. Mm -hmm. So it's keeping historical account and reprojecting it based in history. But I am going to tell you based in a history of separateness, judgment, discernment, uh, fear. And all of these components that come into, frankly, the source of our unhappiness. Okay, so the right hemisphere of the brain, by contrast, is connection to our divinity. And it only exists in pure time presence right now, and right now, and right now. And so it's free from me holding myself, again, me holding my history against myself, and me holding your history against you. It's in pure time presence in every moment where life is, the other is the illusion. And it doesn't think and speak, read, write, and communicate in words and letters and ugh, all the laborious stuff. It's more like the downloads of just aha moments, realizations. It's where you've heard a picture says a thousand words. You see something and you actually understand it and could speak on it, maybe even for hours. It's a realization or a download that comes into your knowing and in the way of feelings or colors or anything like that. It's a feeling that you can trust. That's kind of the- mm -hmm. Kind of so, intuition. I was just gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> we were on the same frequency. <laughs> Very intuitive of you. <laughs> you can feel it, right? That's the source of our knowing. And so you can already start to imagine this conversation when we are completely disregarding the greater part of who we are in truth. You can start to under, understand why we're so unhappy. We're denying ourselves. Let's, let's go with that. We're denying ourselves. How? How do we deny ourselves? And I want to say, boy, this is going to go and go. I'm so grateful for this conversation. When you ask, how do we, how, let's say the how first, how do we deny ourselves? I'm going to tell you that there are two aspects of humanity, which I'm now going to refer to as an aspect of the creator in form. If we can do that, everybody has a sense that they are more than this body and this being and more than just the day-to-day -day humdrum, conundrum, and so on and so forth. But there are a couple of things unique about humans, and that is that, number one, we have a central nervous system that is literally in response to our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you, most people residing primarily as their connection to humanity with its um, judgment and time constraints and collective agreements. Um, hmm. I just want to check and make sure this is the order that I want to go with. 
Okay. We have a central nervous system that is in response to our very thoughts. And most of our thoughts are rooted in judgment and separateness. And this and is our left egotistical side <laughs> of the brain where we're living very one dimensional. Yeah. And I definitely have to add fear because that's going to become kind of probably the biggest part of our conversation as we, as we develop it. So here we are connected to our humanity, which means we're living under the illusion, the constructs of time, the illusion, the constructs of money as it relates to time and human value and all these collective agreements and constructs that we abide by. And frankly, sometimes without even realizing it. And now we have a central nervous system that's in response to literally the thoughts. So, and that's another part of the illusion is we think we are the thoughts. And by the way, not only are we not the thoughts, we're the observer of the thoughts, but the thoughts aren't even true. So we have this central nervous system that's in response to thoughts that are fear-based and not even true. And so we can literally just think of something that happened a long time ago, and especially in the case of a traumatic event, and have basically a panic attack in response to something that happened a long time ago that isn't happening now. And we also can project that fear into the future in the form of anxiety, imagining that it will happen again, fear of anything that has happened before happening again, anything that has happened to even anyone that you know might happen in the future to you. We have a central nervous system in response to that. That is unique to humans. But the other part that is equally as important is that we mask, and you know what? We do it to ourselves. This is important to know. We mask our authenticity with feelings of, I'm going to call it should and shame, should and shame. And here's what I mean by that. Our feelings are our emotional guidance system. Okay, and so while we're doing it, let's do it. We have at least three levels of being, right? So we are an entire energy body called the causal field. The causal field is actually your thoughts and beliefs about your self-identification, who you think you are, what it is that you've chosen to learn through in this incarnation, overlaid with limiting beliefs, agreements made in fear. All of that is one body in the causal field. That's our self-perception that we project to actually create the world that we see. That's why self-perception, and by the way, remembering and spirituality, that's going to be one of the first reasons it's so important. We have another entire energetic sheath of our being called the astral field. The astral field is our feelings and emotions, by the way, which are always in response to our thoughts and beliefs. And so we start to feel bad in response to our thoughts. We'll get probably more into that in the conversation. And then we have the body. That's the reconciliation of the thoughts and beliefs and the feelings and emotions in response to the thoughts and beliefs. And we carry all of that with us as we navigate what we think is reality. <laughs> and so when we have a feeling, this is the second aspect of what's unique to humans, just to keep everyone on track with the conversation. When we have a feeling frequently, we shut it down. We don't allow ourselves to acknowledge our truth or honor our truth, which means authenticity. Because we say to ourselves, oh, 
I shouldn't feel that way. I should just be happy. I shouldn't feel that way. I should just be grateful. And I shouldn't feel that way. I just shouldn't say anything. So you can start to see how we mask our authenticity and our truth. And we're so shaping who we are. It, even when I, when, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, okay, how would this be relevant to nutrition and fitness? I shouldn't have ate that. I shouldn't have watched TV. I should have went for a walk. I should have. And we're creating our own persona based on what we believe of ourselves. There it is. Yeah, I kind of want to get to something that I normally save for the end, because it's just the great answer and way to address your contribution, which is a great one. And well, first of all, I want to throw in there that it could be said that what matters as much as what you eat is how you feel about what you eat. So mm -hmm. the shaming of the should and should should not have is an important part of the mm, decline of health with respect to what we've eaten. But here's a, even a bigger picture that I want to tell you. And that is that if I had the best advice to give, the best advice that was given to me, it's this. Please make every single decision in your life, no matter how big or small. As a matter of fact, no matter whether it's what you've eaten for breakfast or who you choose to spend your life with, make every decision as if you love yourself deeply and completely. And I'll say that if you make the decision of what to eat based on loving yourself, <laughs> you're probably gonna choose to eat things that you then feel good about. And even if you have ice cream, you're gonna feel amazing about the ice cream because you were just really loving yourself in the moment that you chose the ice cream, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot going on there. And I'm gonna say, ultimately, there's only one relationship. I'm gonna call it your relationship with yourself in the context of. And what I mean by that is everything, your life, your entire life. That is how yoga is consciousness. And that is that every single thing is your relationship with yourself in the context of the way that you nourish your body, the way that you perceive your body. And by the way, the way that you behave based on the way that you feel about your body, the way that you feel about your body. I didn't even know we were going to go in this direction. It's incredible. The way that you feel about your body will certainly dictate what you wear, how you wear it, how you move, um, where you go, what you do, your level of comfort with yourself in different environments with different people. And so we know it's postural thing. It's postural, but it's so much more than postural because so for example, if someone is really struggling with body issue and body image, they might or might not be willing to accept an invitation to a pool party or going to the beach. So you can start to see how much your self-perception shapes your reality. It's oh, an important yeah conversation so really why is spirituality importance important so that you can gain the self-love that then determines not only your relationship with yourself but also your behaviors your patterns and especially your relationships with others like there's just a lot here to unpack yeah so 
Yeah, should we pause very, there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's very, there's so many layers, as they say in Shrek, like an onion, so many layers. So when I was, I when I started my health journey, I was almost 300 pounds. So it was many moons ago. But what you're saying there, how I saw myself, how I believed other people saw me, I hated myself. I hated because of how I saw myself, but how I believed I was. I believed I was this person. I believed I was going to amount to this. I believed this that and the other and then one day a light switch clicked and my self-belief turned 360 and not only did I change how I physically looked and thought and everything but my energy changed as well my energy is not only brighter now but it's very strong I am not to sound condescending or narcissistic but I can walk into a room and heads will turn. I have the energy that comes along with my self-belief now. It's taken a long, long time to work on it, but on every level now, and I 100% have my flaws and issues that I'm still dealing with, but that once I change that self-belief and I put in the work, work, work every single day, now my aura is is completely different. Like I said, I can walk into a room and people will look because they feel my energy come in. So I very much have the belief what you're saying. I have my physical beliefs. Who am I physically? And they get challenged at times. I have my religious beliefs. And to me, that's very important. It helps me feel fuller. But I also have the more etheric beliefs I'll call it I do believe in the energy systems I do believe in vibrations and the frequency of the earth and how that influences me and even the moon um but I just wanted to kind of share my story with you because as you're speaking I was like yeah I used to hate myself and now I love myself but I do have my days <laughs> because we're women um but as soon as I changed my perception I can do this. I am this. I'm not what they say I am. I am I, like, I am special. I think every woman is special, but I think a lot of women have not found it yet. Could we pause there? Your life story is now in service to others. And I would just like to, if I may, <laughs> um, delineate and depict two ways that that typically goes so that people can really understand actually who you are in truth and how you serve. It's in the way that I call self-cultivation leads to service. And whether you know it or not, you are this and you've done this, please listen. And when I um, teach, there's this moment, oh, I should say when I'm teaching yoga, let me say that. And when I say yoga, what I mean in this example specifically is postures, doing yoga poses. There's a time when, you know, my teaching is that I will help people open what they need to open, strengthen what they need to strengthen, and understand exactly what position to be in, what to contract, more importantly, what to relax, which in every posture is your face, your mind, your breath, mm -hmm. the order 
order of command from the brain through the spine, exactly in the order with everything you need and nothing that you don't. And I'm kind of this master at this thing that I do. And then when somebody works and works and works and where I should say it does this work and does this work and does this work. And by the way, on every level of being, I only address the level of form, but when they do this work and now this posture, for example, that is just a dream posture, they never dreamed in a thousand years, they'd be able to do it. And now they've done it for the first time. And usually their response to having done it is so like startling or surprising that they throw themselves out of the posture just by their response to being able to do it. But there's this thing that I delight in saying in the moment and that is now you have to I'm going to call it catch up to who you have become and now when I say that now you have to catch up to who you have become you're no longer a person that can't do this posture you're now a person that can and now the only difference between you and I is a number of mindful repetitions and you'll you're in the process of becoming stronger deeper more correct with the posture being more reliable now here's what I'm actually talking about you in your journey um, of weighing 300 pounds. And what you did with your consciousness is exactly what I just described. After you lost the weight or as you were losing the weight and connecting to yourself and reperceiving yourself, you were in this ongoing process of what I'm gonna call catching up to who you have become. The reason that I wanna say this is because I am guessing that I mean, what? so what are the statistics of people who are overweight? Do you know off the top of your head? Oh, shockingly 90, 95%. Right. So I'm going to say that the consciousness with which you conduct your practice, conduct your practice is the same as the consciousness with which you conduct your life. And for many people, even though the weight changes, the self-perception doesn't. Are you with me on that? Yeah. So let's say, for example, that a, a young girl is obese as a teenager and she develops kind of a self-loathing relationship and self-perception and so even as she grows into being a young woman of dating age and maybe even marrying she might still perceive herself as being unlovable unworthy of love because of her self-perception of having been in the past mm -hmm. historically overweight which she herself rejected herself for denied her worth because of so this would be an example of someone who has not caught up to who they have become so the point is even though she's lost the weight she still has in the causal field this self perception of herself as being something that she might perceive as unworthy of love or um she she rejects herself and denies her repulsive she might think she's repulsive even though she's no longer even overweight, she might even be fit, still having a self-perception of being undesirable. What you did was you changed your self-perception on the causal field. And what you could not help but notice is the feeling, the astral field, the way that you felt about yourself in response to your new self-perception of, hey, actually, that was never true. What I used to believe about myself was never true. I am worthy of love by divine birthright and not because I have to prove it or earn it or convince you of it. And not just because the scale gives me a different number, but because I am and I always have been. And when you know this in the causal field, then in the astral field, you feel it, you feel better about yourself. And that's what you're calling the energy. And so you're, you're the radiance of the congruence between 
between a higher self-perception in the causal field and the feelings in response to it in the astral field. And so that would be like a, a really pure time life example of having what I call catching up to who you have become, having caught up to who you have become. So well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I was going to say, um, what you've said there, I very much relate to. I don't think I've fully caught up to myself and I've never thought about it that way. I very much speak about in obviously the health and nutrition world and body composition. I speak about body checking and body dysmorphia. And I very much still have a lot of that. I'm very slim now, very muscular. I have the body of my dreams, but I still have a lot of insecurities so I still have what I would term as this lingering darkness still hanging there that I haven't shook off. You mentioned, you know who you are now. I do and I don't. I haven't fully caught up with myself. I guess I fully don't. To explain this in my words as I perceive it now, I I know what I look like now, but I don't fully believe it. I believe in my capabilities, but maybe I don't believe this is my truth right now. Is this really me? Um, and do other people perceive me? So I still have my insecurities and my darkness that I'm dealing with. And that's 15 years later, like it's a lot of work and it's still, I can feel always this cloud and I, I suppose it's on my left side. I very much am in tune with energies. I I feel my granddad's spirit on my right side. I feel so-and-so on my left. Like I feel things around me, but back to the point at hand is I, although I'm a master at what I do, I am not fully caught up with myself, if that makes sense. It does. Let's pause there. Your life is such an important lesson for everybody and the examples that you're giving are just bringing up like like just pearls of talking points so let's go back for a second to the person who has lost the weight but hasn't caught up to who they have become because twice now you've spoken into what i'm going to call and other people look at me i see them looking at me i'm getting attention and that is outside validation and mm -hmm. we need to bring that into the conversation so here's what i'm going to say when you have raised your self-perception in the causal field and your feelings and response feelings and emotions are in response to it then you are you are in fact magnetic and people whether they know it or not they can't even help it, help it or not they just notice you and i'm going to say they notice you as a natural response to your being so magnetic so aligned on the level of causal and astral. Now that is different and we need to speak into it because there are a lot of people who have not caught up to who they have become that are looking for and relying on that external validation. Mm -hmm. So let's say they've lost all the weight and they're really fit, but they still have a very low self-perception. And so they're looking for validation that they're not receiving. They're gonna use that to affirm, see, I'm really not beautiful, even though I lost the weight. See, I'm not valuable, even though I lost the weight. So I wanna speak into the difference that outside validation 
can be the natural response to you having really elevated your self-perception. And that is not in the way of arrogance. It's just in the way of standing in your value and knowing that you're beautiful as an aspect of the creator in form. And by the way, not because other people think so, but because you are, and you know it, and you see yourself and you see your beauty and you see who you are in truth. And I'm not talking about by looking in a mirror with, you know, the aesthetics of, you know, contouring and <laughs> whatever it is, you know, it's yeah. simply a different point of attraction that resides within yourself because mm -hmm. again and again and again we are not the one-dimensional beings so that was important now I want to talk to you about this and by the way you just brought in uh, like a whole nother talking point because I said to you at the beginning that we have this causal field it's on the level of the mind and it's identification of self is separate it's who we think we are with um, everything we've chosen to learn through limiting beliefs, agreements made in fear. Right now, we're going to talk about collective agreements rather than maybe familial, but primarily collective social agreements. So we have the causal, we have the astral, which are the feelings in response to the thoughts and beliefs, but then we have the body that is the reconciliation of both. And so there's an entire, like the spiritual wisdom that says any indication of disease, injury, illness, even accidents. And in this conversation, I'm gonna say habitual tone, which might even mean just being overweight is an indication as to where the spiritual work lies in your life. And by the way, right side with respect to masculine, so the granddad on the right shoulder and left side, with respect to feminine and feminine on the left, as you describe as like a dark cloud, could be your relationship with yourself as a woman, could be something that your mother or another woman modeled for you as a role model of what your value is as a woman. There's a cloud there. So that cloud is either going to be a lesson that was introduced to you in your family life that needs to be like the unconscious made conscious on the causal field, like unraveled and rewritten, maybe forgiven of someone else or yourself. And then the accountability, oh, we need to talk about the accountability of knowing that actually in the highest spiritual picture, every single thing is neutral and there is nothing to be forgiven. Mm -hmm. So that's a biggie. Like that's a biggie. I think we better just put that on the side burner right now. But the body is the message of the relationship between causal and astral. And those are the manifestations right and left-sided. So I'm going to say that in the masculine deliberate cre creation of your life, masculine energy is like creation. Mm -hmm. I better say that differently. Masculine energy technically is consciousness and feminine is creation. But here it is. Masculine is action, like giving. And feminine left is like receiving and feeling so you've you've taken this huge action in your life it is definitely okay with me if hatcher is in the picture <laughs> so your new fur baby i have a new fur baby too yeah. so the thing is that you've taken some action in your life you've been really deliberate about the creation of your life in the way of form and your presentation to the world but in the feminine realm you still have some kind of fear which is probably 
I'm going to call it like conformity to an agreement made in fear in your family or collectively. And what you know is that what everyone knows is that here in the Western world, especially, we put something upon women as a collective agreement that they should, that they should look this way, have this physique, have this appearance, and anything, um, I'm going to call it, hmm, I have this entire event that I, that I call beloveds. I'm going to help you change your relationship to gravity as you deepen your relationship to time. And when we talk about women, we talk about women on this collective agreement, which by the way, is the illusion, the Maya of the relationship to time. And so what we as a society have told women is that as they deepen their relationship to time, their value diminishes. And that is not the truth. That is the collective should that we hold against ourselves, right? Where where do we go with that? Well, where we go with that is, you know, Botox and all the things that we do because we're afraid that our value will diminish as we have more experience with time. So again, there's this collective agreement of you have to look this way and you have to weigh this much and you have to wear this and, you know, and all of these things that we abide by. And then we constantly measure ourselves to the collective. And if we feel like we're not measuring up, then we hold it against ourselves. This is what I hope for all of us to free ourselves from collective agreements and really tap into our authentic truth. And uh, yeah, so I better pause there and see which direction you want to go with that. <laughs> but what you just said there reminds me of the notion that as women do age and we go through menopause, we're destined to look this way. We're destined to gain weight. We're destined to have sleep issues and be irritable. Like it's a notion. And I've, shall I say, proven many times with my clients that no, this is not truth, but this is the idea that's being fed into the collective of women. And, and dare I even say men and husbands that once she passes this certain age, her value diminishes. She's going to transition into more negativity, weight gain, irritability, almost not knowing who she is anymore. And although on one level that's true because we've been fed this idea, it's not true. It's almost the time where you fully learn to understand who you are because you don't have these obligations with young kids and this, that, and the other. But what you said about my journey, i really do have a lot of work to do still spiritually but I do feel I am ahead of the trend in what I see in other people so then that brings us full circle clearly and frankly just by virtue of inviting me uh to share on your platform not everyone is ready to hear it could I speak into what you talked about with age so here's the thing is that in all fairness, we can now include men in this conversation as well. So I want to say maybe, or definitely women with respect to their value based on their beauty as they increase their relationship to time. But I also want to talk to you about all of humanity, which we're now including both men and women, because in all fairness, men and women have a collective uh, agreement put upon them that they literally abide by and frankly without even knowing and I want to give you like a really specific example of that there's this thing that I do I'm this 
yoga coach for the biggest stage in the world. And I call it just daring to believe in yourself in the form of standing on the X and the biggest path of spiritual growth I've ever known. Well, there are divisions in this event, which that alone has a connotation, I will tell you, but there are divisions in this event. And there's a category called 50 plus. We're talking about age, number of years on the plane. And so that line being drawn, that alone is a, is a collective agreement that perhaps that's a lower talent pool. Um, and that being in the 18 to 49 division would be a disadvantage, which I actually, I, I, don't, I don't actually want to talk about myself, but I was mildly offended by that, by that. I kind of felt like I don't make my point unless I am standing sandwiched in between an 18 year old before me and an 18 year old after me. Otherwise I haven't made my point, right? But what I wanna tell you is that I coach a whole lot of people and in this conversation, specifically women who are in the 50 plus division. And there was this thing that I started to notice. I would have them execute a routine and there's, there's a, it's a big conversation. But at the very end of this routine, I would keep this really simple. I would say, okay, now stand up, stand up. I use the word up. Stand up, stand up, stand up from a seated position. And I cannot tell you how many humans, women, went down to go up, put their hands and their face down to be able to get up. And like, no, 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 I didn't say go down. I said, stand up. And when I started to really unravel like what was happening, I started to see people that were simply, I'm going to call it throwing in the towel without even knowing it because they are so deeply ingrained in the collective agreement of what we call aging that they just go, oh yeah, well, I just can't get up anymore because now I'm 65. I, you know, I just, I guess I just throw in the towel and they don't understand that they actually can just stand up if they understand a few body mechanics, we just call it functional yoga. So I have this entire um, collective of humans, men and women, and oh, yeah, so I have to bring in an important point. When I started to really unpack this and look at people going down to stand up as an agreement to what aging is supposed to look like, not even understanding that they're empowered to do it differently. I hope I'm not talking too fast. I am so excited about this. I started challenging people of all ages women in their 20s, men in their 30s, women and men in their 40s. Okay, let me see you stand up. And watching the way that they're living in their body with respect to gravity. And this is not specific to mm. people over 50. So I started teaching everyone, not just people over 50, how to actually go up to stand up. And it's just a function of where's your body weight? You have to have more body weight in front of you than behind you. You have to have this, do that. If you can't find it, feel it, do this first and then do that and then do that. And then, and now I have these people actually just sitting down and just standing up, even though. So I have to ask you, if you don't mind. So as you saw an improvement in their physical strength, because it's well known in physiology, as I'm sure you're aware that strength is the first thing to go when you give up strength is the first thing to go before anything else so as you saw them get stronger did you see a change in their mental or energetic strength that is such a simple question that has such a such an expansive answer the first thing i want to tell you is i i teach what i call 
my simple formula for muscles. If you use them, they get strong. If you stretch them, they get long, period. That is for everyone. And they happen to get strong in whatever position you strengthen them. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you that the strength that you lose, lose um, with respect to your relationship to time has more to do with the fact that you're not doing it anymore. It, it, it has more to do with the fact that you're simply not practicing strength on a daily basis mm -hmm. now. And that is, has now become a con a conversation about the level of the mind because in a command based yoga practice, like the one that I primarily lead, we understand neuroplasticity. The power of a command based practice is that you literally send the command from the brain through the spine without the thought obstruction. These are my words. It's my teaching. And I'm going to tell you that when, so when someone is no longer sending the command from the brain to the spine without the thought obstruction, that means they're no longer firing the muscles. And if they're no longer firing the muscles, the muscles are no longer contracting. And if the muscles are no longer contracting, they're no longer getting stronger. And that has very little to do with age. <laughs> that's a mind muscle connection but as the muscles feel weaker the mind follows and the mind feels weaker that's why we say one of the best things to do to strengthen the mind is to work out mm -hmm. what you're talking about is the difference between inside out and outside in but working out is a function of the mind more than the body. Working out means I'm gonna to go to the gym and I'm gonna command my sets and I'm gonna command my reps. Mm -hmm. So it's less about, okay, I'm gonna to go to the gym and I'm gonna do mm, four sets of eight bicep curls. It's less about that. And it's more about the mind commanding the body during the bicep curls. That is where the strength is created, right? Through the neural network, the nerves that are firing the muscles. And the mm -hmm. muscles can be fired and they will be fired if we fire them, right? A lot of people don't understand that. They think going to the gym is all about getting in shape and looking buff or getting fit. A lot of going to the gym and most of the successful people in the world will tell you it's the discipline, it's the mind control, it's the, this is where we go to think, this is where we go to focus, which I was hoping we'd get a chance to discuss about being present. Like in the gym, you have no option but to be present. So otherwise you're going to get hurt. But it very much, it's more a place for the mind and spirituality. You know, I don't know if, uh, you know, the whole meme, this is my church, as in the gym is my church. It very much is the mind and the spiritual aspect. I feel better after I go, not the physical so much, but I've had that kind of almost breath of fresh air go through me being in my, in my church. I think that I can wrap this up in a tight package that fits our, our time available. Mm -hmm. First of all, any practice of mindful movement with breath in pure time presence is what we can be, what we can call yoga. So what you're talking about, and by the way, when you said in the gym, you have no option but to be present, that is your truth. Not everyone does. There are many people who live their life with no presence and learning presence is the practice of yoga that we can practice, integrate and embody in all of our 
environments and surroundings and activities and relationships and conversations. That's, that's part of the spiritual path is the ability to be fully present on every level of being in a field of trust with no judgment in pure time, present moment. Now, in, for example, the cultivation of the aspects of the mind, there's one that I'll draw in up upon specifically, and I teach it in yoga. You find it in the gym. Yes to that. Yes to you. So there are five aspects of mind, self-control, determination, patience, faith, and concentration. I teach those in yoga. That's what's there for a practitioner. You find those in the gym. That is the way in which the body is the learning device for the mind. And again, you're finding that your body is the learning device for the mind on those five levels. Um, so it's less about lifting weights, doing sets. It's more about using your body as the learning device for the mind. And that can only come in pure time presence and not everyone does that. So there's a difference between going to the gym and there's a difference between what I'm gonna call, you know, doing yoga in the form of working out in the gym. <laughs> so thank you. I think that was a super quick but huge answer to your contribution. What a great if I was to just um wrap that up and please correct me if I'm wrong. So yoga is the gym to me. It all comes back to the self-control aspect and being present, which connects back to the mind, which I will say brings us full circle into that hashtag that everywhere mindset is everything and it all begins in your mind whether or not you're going to be fulfilled happy successful dare I say how you perceive yourself it all comes back to the mind definitely so I would say in my one-liner I would say yoga is a state of being mm -hmm. and uh, yes, to state of mind being interchangeable with causal field if we're talking about how form is actually expressing spirit. So in that way, then in the conversation, we are complete. <laughs> uh, what we didn't talk about is breath. And breath, yeah, breath is the bridge between mind and the body. And so um, what I just slipped in there real quick is that mindful movement with breath right? And that might be where we could say now in this conversation, the yoga is lost at the gym. If people are not having mindful movement with breath and connecting to the self through the self, letting the breath be the unifying force. And then by the way, once you're connected to yourself, you can connect to others in the same way. And that's kind of how concentration, and in this case, concentration on yourself facilitates meditation, which facilitates the transformation. And the transformation then becomes the example of the life that you live in service to others. <laughs> well, I am so I, I think that's, a, that's a, a good reason why spirituality is just pretty important stuff so that you can be your fullest expression of your most authentic truth on every level of being and then be in service to others through your example. So what I've taken away from this is you had mentioned um, a position. What I took from that is you really have to, what, again, what I took from it is that you need to really sit with yourself in whatever position and really do that inner talking, inner listening, inner work, 
what is my spirituality? Where do I feel connected to the planes? Where do I feel connected to this, that, and the other? Where am I unhappy? Where am I happy? And so on and so on. But it is that position you mentioned, whatever the position may be, we as women, as a collective need to sit with that. And because we're always rushing around like lunatics, we're not sitting and we're not being present. So we never fully connect to our spirituality, whatever way you perceive it or on whatever levels, because I, I'll just put it bluntly because we're always running around like lunatics and that's how society has formed us nowadays. Yeah, and the thing that we're um, not doing that we should do is that in those moments, we're not connected to ourselves. And what I mean by that is we're so busy on the level of doing that we are disregarding ourselves as being. And what we're disregarding is actually, in fact, paying attention to how we feel mm -hmm. and listening to our own thoughts. Mm -hmm. And by the way, thought response in any given conversation. So what are two things we can do immediately to be more present in our life and more connected to self and through others, uh, to others through the self is number one, start to become aware of your breath in every moment. And by the way, see the effects of the central nervous system on the breath in response to not just what happens, but your thoughts in response to what happens and your feelings, which are always in response to the thoughts. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's where your truth is. That's where your authenticity is. That's where your spirituality is, is actually caring as much about how you feel as you care about the one um, to whom you're subordinating and giving up your authenticity for fear mm -hmm. of loss of their yeah. love or stability or whatever it is that maybe the way they see you or something that you value about yourself that you feel you will lose if you speak a truth. Mm -hmm. So we need to connect to how we feel care about how we feel and connect to our truth, come from love and feel safe to say. So if, if we have time to go into it, that would be like a throat chakra conversation. And I think that's the kind of straight to, for deeper connection to, to and through ourselves and to others through ourselves is I want you to think of how often, and, and we can say, especially with women, let's say that, especially with women, how often is it either that we think one thing and we say something different or we think something like that's not okay with me but we don't say it or how often we say something and we do something different we call that passive aggressive but all of those are what we could call just the energy center of throat chakra and by the way i'm going to even expand upon that and say it's not just about the speaking or the refraining but also the ability to receive without being in a state of reaction like this is huge so what i would call spiritual integrity which by the way is a very 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 high way of being would be that our thoughts and our words and our actions are all in integrity to the truth of our feelings wow and that. I'm going to follow what you just said there before we wrap up in what you said, standing in our truth. That's very scary. That is scary. 
to to not agree with something but go along with it because you're afraid to stand up for what you believe and how you feel and your truth that is scary even for me as you're speaking I have some aspects in my life I can relate to it and I'm like because I'm scared of the outcome but we've we've covered so much and I've clearly related a lot to this and I think we we skipped a lot of what we wanted to say so I'm hoping you'll come back on in a couple of weeks and then we can go more into the breath work and anger and frustration and all of that but for now um is there if you were to give my my followers one one last sentence to maybe encourage them to um, find themselves or find the strength to find themselves what would that be because I really think we've we've came to that aspect of being with yourself and finding your truth and finding your courage and strength um, what would you say to them so I have so many choices in my mind right now and if I were to pick one and one only here's what it would be this is important this work this spiritual I call it a deep sea dive is important because you're important because your feelings matter Mm -hmm. because you are worthy of your needs being met and knowing yourself as love and not because you got to the gym and lost some weight, but because you are lovable, beautiful and perfect as an aspect of the creator in form and knowing this will help you and cause you to make your decisions accordingly. And then you feel good about it. So it's, let's just, I would just support a platform of what I'm going to call an upward spiral. And it all begins with caring about how you feel because you understand that you actually are worthy of your feelings being met. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. I do often say you need to care about yourself. You do because you're important, like you said. And this, the whole work, the journey of life, it's important. So thank you so much for your time. I'm serious. I will have you back on in a few weeks. I want to talk about the brat work in regards to anger and frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, if my followers want to find out more about your teachings, maybe some videos, uh, website, where will they go? Yeah, thank you. That's easy. All roads lead to kimtangyoga.com. And again, you'll see that that is even just the landing page has a cover photo of a Venn diagram, all things yoga, all things spirit. And uh, I happen to be situated right between the two as knowing that the both are one and the same. And so I have all types of learning platforms with respect to yoga, all types of availability with respect to spirit. And it's all there on the website. And I appreciate your invitation to have me back because there are many, many, many conversations we can have in service to all of humanity. I really appreciate that you recognize that and you're aligned to it. And so as we started with love and gratitude, we finish the same way. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, my byline. And by the way, I love you. Thank you for joining me because um, your energy really has been a gift today, especially when myself and others need it so i look forward to speaking to you again and i'm sure everyone's going to find this very very interesting so thank you kim thank you